So welcome to the Gut Podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK. In my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, we are discussing the March issue Editor's Choice Manuscript entitled Demonstration of the Usefulness of Epigenetic Cancer Risk Prediction by a Multicentre Prospective Cohort Study. This is presented by Dr. Toshikazu Yoshijimi, who is the Chief of the Division of Epigenomics within the National Cancer Center Research Institute in Tokyo, Japan. This work was conducted along with several collaborators as outlined on the paper. So I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Yoshijimi today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mary. This is a great opportunity. So just to start off the discussion, can you define epigenetic change and give a brief overview of what's known of its role in carcinogenesis of the gastrointestinal tract? Okay, you started off uh, the very most difficult question. Epigenetic modification is something associated with the DNA, but not DNA sequence itself. It is inherited upon somatic cell division, meaning it is a very important mark on DNA. Chemically, uh, epigenetic marking includes DNA methylation and histone modifications. And they are physiologically involved in cell fate decision. Fit cell become gastric epithelial cells, and fit cell how become colonic epithelial cells or liver cells. And uh, that's physiological role. And if uh, it goes wrong, it is known to be involved in tumor uh, development and progression. Aberrant DNA methylation kinases a very important tumor suppressor gene, such as P16, E-cad herring, and uh, it is involved in carcinogenesis. And metaphorically speaking, aberrant methylation is a rust on old-fashioned clocks, such as Big Ben. If rust is there, uh, many parts without affecting the time, uh, it's uh, fine. But if rust takes place, important part of the clock, I mean tumor suppressor gene, the clock is got broken and tumor develops. Uh, that sounds uh, like uh, DNA methylation. So your study focuses on gastric cancer methylation status. Can you summarize the background literature on this and the evidence on which your hypothesis was based? Yes. In 2006, we found high levels of aberrant methylation was accumulated in gastric tissues of cancer patients, which was surprising. We also found that gastric cancer patients who developed multiple cancers, uh, namely they have very high risk, had higher methylation levels than gastric cancer patients with one gastric cancer. So uh, this strongly indicated if we measure uh, the DNA methylation level in the stomach, we can predict uh, the risk of cancer development. And of course, to uh, convince busy clinicians, we understood we need uh, to conduct a prospective study. Uh, but the cross-sectional study uh, strongly indicated we can use accumulated DNA methylation level as a cancer risk marker, for, at least for stomach cancer. So how does Helicobacter pylori infection influence this? Yes, uh, Helicobacter pylori is, of course, as you know, it is a very important gastric cancer inducer. And association between Helicobacter pylori infection and aberrant DNA methylation was first hinted by Dr. Anio Chan, in gut journal in 2003. And in 2006, we quantitatively measured aberrant methylation in the stomach and clearly showed if people are infected by Helicobacter pylori, there is a high level of aberrant methylation in the stomach. And mechanistically, how Helicobacter pylori infection induces aberrant methylation, it's a big question. 
helicobacter pylori have type 4 injection mechanism to put its own DNA message transferase into gastric epithelial cells, or uh, helicobacter pylori induces strong inflammation in the stomach, and then uh, it might induce aberrant methylation. To test this issue, we treated uh, Mongolian gerbils with immunosuppressant, so we are able to make situation uh, there is uh, no inflammation but lots of helicobacter pylori. And what happened to DNA methylation? There was almost no methylation. So even if there are lots of helicobacter pylori, if there is no inflammation, methylation is not induced. So inflammation is important for methylation induction, not the helicobacter pylori itself. So your aim was to demonstrate by a multi-center prospective cohort study that risk of metachronous gastric cancer can be predicted by methylation assessment and macroscopically normal mucosal biopsies. So tell us about the study design and the rationale for this. Yes, uh, this was a real translational research that we brought our basic finding to clinicians, uh, which as a study design, we chose a single cohort study. We recruited the patient, measured the DNA methylation levels in their stomach. Our clinicians followed uh, blind to the information for the patient for three years. And then finally, we uh, connected the methylation levels with uh, whether or not uh, metachronous gastric cancer happened. As a cohort, we chose gastric cancer patients who were treated by endoscopy. Uh, in Japan, uh, many gastric cancer patients are treated by endoscopy. Uh, but still their stomach is remaining, uh, they suffer from next gastric cancer, which is metachronous gastric cancer. And uh, this cohort is easy to follow because patients are so nervous, and uh, merit of using this cohort is the high incidence of metachronous gastric cancer, which we expected 2 to 3% per year. So by following only 800 patients, we expected we could uh, obtain clear results. So can you describe your patient enrollment and the follow-up methodology? Yes. We introduced uh, a small tip in the methodology. If a patient has active helicobacter pylori infection, aberrant methylation is constantly uh, induced in their stomach. So their methylation level is a little bit disturbed, and we cannot tell accurately uh, what fraction of stem cells are affected by aberrant methylation. So we decided to uh, recruit patients and test uh, helicobacter pylori inf- infection status. And if uh, patients are infected by helicobacter pylori, we eradicated them with, uh, with the helicobacter pylori infection. Finally, by combining the 388 patients uh, who had no helicobacter pylori at the beginning, at the enrollment, and uh, 438 patients who successfully eradicated we enrolled 826 patients. And in Japan, it is a routine clinical practice to annually follow patients who are already treated with endoscopy for gastric cancer. And so we followed this clinical practice. The enrolled patients are simply followed in a routine clinical practice manner. They came to hospital once a year and the routine endoscopic screening was conducted. And finally, three-year follow-up was uh, completed, and we were able to conduct statistical analysis uh, by combining methylation levels at the beginning and uh, metachronous gastric cancer happened or not. And uh, one more thing is we defined authentic uh, metachronous gastric cancer because some people might question us, uh, okay, you 
uh, observed another gastric cancer after enrollment, but those cancers might be overlooked cancers. So to uh, exclude such a possibility, we defined authentic metachronous gastric cancer, uh, which were cancers developed after one year of enrollment. We used the total metachronous gastric cancer and also authentic metachronous gastric cancer for our statistical analysis. So what marker genes did you choose to analyze and why? Yes, this is also an important part of our study because this is translational research different from some exploratory study. So we had to choose very good marker genes before conducting analysis, before connecting clinical information. So one marker gene we fortunately found in our search for tumor suppressor microRNAs in 2009. And two other marker genes, we conducted a dedicated study to search for good marker genes and isolated two good candidates, which were EMX1 and NKX61. And at least in, uh, to distinguish uh, cancer patients from healthy people, these three marker genes showed odds ratio of 10 or 20. But, you know, as I mentioned, we are trying to distinguish uh, patients with multiple gastric cancer from uh, patients with single gastric cancer, which is much more difficult. So expected odds were 1.5 to 3. So we are a little bit nervous, although uh, we had good marker genes. So the methodology of methylation analysis and statistical analysis is outlined fully in the paper. But briefly, what were the main points within this aspect of the study that acquired specific considerations? Yes, thank you. Uh, fortunately, we are specialists in methylation analysis. And to distinguish methylated DNA molecules from unmethylated DNA molecules, we used the bisulfite conversion technique, which is widely used around the world. And once uh, DNA is methylated DNA and unmethylated DNA is uh, distinguished by bisulfite conversion, we use the real-time PCR technique, which we can accurately measure uh, the exact number of methylated and unmethylated molecules. And once we know how many methylated and unmethylated molecules are there, we can calculate uh, what fraction of DNA molecules are methylated, which is methylation level. And if once we know the methylation level, the level is approximate to the fraction of cells with methylation of that marker gene within the entire cell in the sample. So methylation level approximates to uh, the fraction of the cells with epigenomic damage. So moving on to the results, what were the main outcomes of the univariate analysis of the effect of methylation levels? The main result was we were able to predict patients who will develop metachronous gastric cancer, which was very surprising uh, in a sense, and uh, which was very fortunate. Specifically, the enrolled patients were separated into quartiles according to their methylation levels, and the patient in the highest quartile of the methylation level microRNA-124A3 had a 2.2-fold increased risk of uh, developing metachronous gastric cancer compared with uh, the patient in the lowest quartile. So tell us about the results from the additional statistical analysis that was performed. Yes, we also analyzed uh, something else might be associated with the uh, occurrence of uh, metachronous gastric cancer. Uh, the factors we analyzed included uh, hospitals, patient age, gender, 
pepsinogen index had back to pyrrole infection status at the enrollment and past history of endoscopic resection, smoking history, and green vegetable intake. And among these, male sex, uh, history of multiple endoscopic resection, and higher age uh, were associated with risk of metaclonus gastric cancer. So putting all those factors into multivariate analysis, uh, but still the methylation level retains the power to predict uh, patients with metaclonus gastric cancer. The odds ratio was 2.3, which relieved us a lot. So were there any limitations to your study that weren't consideration? Yes, you are right. There is uh, some limitations. Uh, the most important issue, we think, is we took a biopsy sample from one area within the stomach. The stomach is an organ with a large area, uh, but we are taking one piece uh, from the stomach. So. Although we knew one piece of biopsy reflects the methylation level overall, but it's not so precise. So if we can take biopsy samples from multiple areas of the stomach, the odds ratio will improve a lot. Uh, that's one limitation. So how do you envisage these findings translating into the clinical management of patients? Yes, the odds ratio was 2.3, so we do not feel clinical practice can be changed with this uh, odds ratio. However, most important thing of the finding is this is uh, the proof of principle in any types of cancer. This is the first multi-center prospective cohort study in any types of cancer that showed uh, the use of accumulated aberrant methylation can be used as cancer risk marker. And gastric cancer is a typical inflammation-associated cancer, but there are many other types of cancers uh, that are associated with in chronic inflammation. So the principle demonstrated here can be uh, translated into uh, other inflammation-associated uh, cancers. That's our uh, belief. So finally, what's the next step for your research? Um, what do you feel are the key outstanding questions that need further assessment? We plan to conduct another prospective study. The reason is several hundred thousand people are eradicated for Helicobacter pylori in this country, Japan, for, to prevent gastric cancer. Means that many people are so much nervous about whether or not they will develop gastric cancer or not. So we plan to conduct another prospective study using uh, healthy people after Helicobacter pylori eradication as our object. And this time we will recruit 2,000 individuals who received eradication therapy. And this time, cross-sectional study indicates odds ratio obtained will be between 5 to 10. So really, clinically useful marker will be isolated. And I also want to speak to my colleague in the world, epigenetic damage accumulated in our tissues is really good a marker for cancer risk prediction. So any types of inflammation associated with cancer, as I said, is a good target of similar studies. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd just like to thank Dr. Toshikazu Yoshijimi for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mary.